You are now listening to the Solomon Attention Podcast. back to the Solomon Tension Podcast. So excited that we get to continue this amazing uh, interview series that we've been running for the past few episodes, and uh, we're just going to keep it going. So I have with me uh, Miss Renee Ams, who is the host of a brand new podcast entitled Renee Loves Ironing. Um, I met Miss Renee, well, we didn't really meet. I heard her speak via Clubhouse and heard her story and her passion and enthusiasm for what she does and how she wants to impact people and I decided that uh, she'll be a great person for us to, to kind of talk to and get to know on the Solomon Tension Podcast and after a couple of DMs and the email we're here. So Ms. Renee how you doing today? Welcome to the podcast. Hi Solomon I am doing great. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here. Thank, Thank you for you. having me. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, let's jump right into this conversation. So so okay. tell us a little bit about your your, pe- your personal background, where you're from, education, mm-hmm. where you currently live, things of that mm-hmm. nature. Sure. I am from born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. I've lived on every side of the city yeah. and I attended school here and my degrees are in organizational development and a master's in training and development. And the last 40 plus years, I worked in the corporate space, managing the global training for large companies that sell software to track things like COVID data and other things, but pretty much environmental health and safety and other areas like that. So, okay, yeah, so a lot of training time. Yeah, yeah no, no. <laughs> a we, lot we, of big companies. Yeah. We need that. We need that. So, uh, so what, what's been the journey uh, that you have taken to kind of lead you through, you know, corporate leadership and now, you know, more than to entrepreneurship before we start recording, you talked a little bit about acting. So like, tell us a little bit about the journey to kind of how you got started in some of these projects. Sure. For many years, even in the 80s, I used to be the one training everybody without a training title Mm. on how to use software, whatever it was to be more effective. I just always like to find that way of using software to help you be effective no matter what your job was. So then at that time, I worked at a large bank, a business bank here, Condo Bank, that was bought by Bank of America. And I found myself as they were hiring super fast, trying to train everybody from the receptionists to the VPs that were coming on. And I'm like, man, if I'm doing this, how do I get the official job for doing this? You know, so I would go to training and talk to the trainers and like, how do I do what you're doing? Right. So I became like the role trainer training everybody. And then after that and talking to the training manager she was like every time somebody would come to class they would say oh no renee showed us how to do it like this see here's her handout and this is how we do it now and different things and we're like who is this renee so we set up a meeting she hires me with this one stipulation she goes you have to go to the ama and get your certification if you fail the certification as a trainer you're fired i'm like great no pressure Right. So I go and do that and I keep it moving. And every time something changed, Bank of America bought Condo Bank in 2000. Then I shifted into some other job roles, mostly in banking, wealth bank and other things like that, but more in IT. And once I became more versed as a training manager on the IT side, then I started learning different 
ways of training, especially in the IT field and arena. And so as different things happen, like, you know, uh, September 11th and other things, training and HR are always the first thing to go. So one of the things I learned with that experience is to definitely always have other options, right? right? So then I started doing contract work and working with some big uh, banks too, globally doing stuff on contract for them and started my own contracting business actually after that. And that was great uh, until, you know, other things happened like the recession and other things. And again, that folded a lot of people in the training in yeah. HR field lost their jobs. So I just kept learning how to reinvent myself and do things that I had skills in because I was following that same tradition of get educated. I got multiple certifications from all types of uh, organizations for training, training analysis, training management, everything as much as I could. Wow. Only to find that people kept getting promoted around me. I trained them. They right. get to director levels and other things. I'm still, you know, the one in training everybody's coming to to learn how to do other things. Wow. Wow. Man. What so, the, yeah. yeah. That's an amazing. So with, oh, thanks. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm just listening. That's an amazing journey. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I cut you off inadvertently. So, so what, 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 how did you respond when? Uh, you found yourself now training folks who uh, got promoted uh, at a faster pace than you did, or just I active. thought my education. Yeah, I, I thought I took the education route because I thought the more education I got, the more yeah. credentials on paper I got, the yeah. more paper that would make me, and the more recognition I would yeah. get. So it helped me in some ways and hurt me in others because then as things start shifting with the job roles and training and training development and stuff like that too, they're like, oh, you're overqualified for this. Mm -hmm. Oh, you can't just do a a regular trainer training delivery job because I had the masters and I had all these certifications. So it was, it was a two edged sword in a lot of ways. But again, I learned to just kind of market myself and sell myself in different ways, doing different things. So with that, this last job, this was a higher, more expansive reach because I managed a team globally for the first time in the other global space, I only had two people that worked with me that were contractors, but I pretty much did everything, built out the content, the schedule, but this managing people and partners and clients and internal training, new hire, all this other stuff. It was just crazy. But the last draw for me was no matter how hard I worked, I kept getting excuses about, my job title and my raises and the value because I will tell everyone, every job interview I've ever had, Solomon, I learned this at an early age. When you go somewhere on paper and you selling yourself, you get to that interview, that's 75% of the battle right there. The rest is a conversation of what value will you bring to that company And then you always have to ask, how will you value me? Right. Right. So what are you going to do that shows me value? Here's how I feel valued. And have that written out and talk to yourself and be firm about it. Because when I got to the point of my inner, my performance reviews and different things, I told my director, you know, we're at a standstill here. Right. I, I always told my team, don't ever 
be loyal to a job because a job is never loyal to you. Right. Always do what's best for you and for your family. Right. And when it doesn't feel right, it's time to move. Right. Right. So when it got to the point that my team were doing great, they all left for jobs they wanted to do. In fact, I had a, a, a one member of my team that left about a year and a half ago before I did start a podcast, write a book, and did different things, moved where she always wanted to live and all that. And she is called Peace and Possibilities. And she was telling me, you know, Renee, you're so great. You should do the same thing. But at that point, I was still trying to figure stuff out. So that's when I got a life coach, Gail Keys Allen, and started working with her about a year ago in March. Mm. And through that, talking with her and really figuring out what do I want to do? What do I feel like I'm called to do? What has God put me on this earth to do? And I know I always had the gift of talking to people and making people feel good about themselves. So I wanted to do something that reminds people of the skills and the abilities that we have and that we've gotten from our ancestors. Right. So that's how I dreamt about this podcast. Even though it took me away, I thought my gift was going to be voiceover acting where I could do audio books, especially children's books, and do something with my voice that added value. And so it was an assignment to all of us working with my life coach to do a podcast. Right. And so I'm like, I don't really want to do this, but I'll engage and see what's going on with it. And I kept dreaming about my great grandmother who for five generations, she took care of a family on all levels in Mississippi and died on that land that they gave her at 107. She did their laundry and took care of five generations of those folks until she was 99. Wow. 99. And my mom and my dad's side of the family, my mom used to tell me stories of when they only had two dresses. My great-grandmother always made sure they were clean. They were ironed, they were starched. They were always looking neat and well together. Yeah. And that's how my father and my mother's brothers all, and it's continued through our family, right? Right. But people forget about that and they forget what happens when you're well-dressed and you're pressed and you feel good because you know you look good. Right. 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 Yeah, there's something to be said. There's something to be said when we, you know, when we feel when we when we dress when we dress well or you know for for men after a fresh cut or or you know there is a certain uh, you got a fresh cut on and a fresh pair of nikes or whatever you like you do feel like uh uh that you can go and conquer the world you know there That's is right. a sense of, uh, euphoria that happens and so i definitely can connect uh connect with you on that um, and I know other listeners will as well. I think Deion Sanders always talks about when you, when you, when you, when you look good, you play good. You know, I don't know if you mm-hmm. follow him, but that's always been his model for for throughout his career. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and I can see, I can see that with you. And I think that lends to this question. You know, who and you kind of might have just kind of talked about it, but like your your career journey, your entrepreneurship journey, just your life in general. Who or what uh, has inspired you? 
I think I get a lot of inspiration, actually, from my mom and, and other folks in my family because they've always been, like, hardworking. Yeah. I've been working since I was 13. Wow. Okay. Because wow. I was always that independent tomboy, though. You know, I have three brothers and a sister. And my dad played ball and everything, too, in high right. school and in the neighborhood and all that, too. So I'm always like, I'll do whatever they do. I'm climbing trees. I'm doing whatever. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, but I never, ever felt like, you know, I was insignificant or anything. You know, on Sunday or any big occasion or holiday, we always look nice. And I used to tell this story all the time about uh, one Easter Sunday, I love, and I still to this day, though my daughter hates them, I still love Mary Jane like shoes, right, with a little strap. And I remember distinctly having my black pad leather shoes with a little strap, my little lace socks. I think I was in like fourth, third or fourth grade or something. And, you know, I, this is long before your time. But they used to have the gym things where you have to run and jump and flip and do all these things. You know, it's like a, a, a test every year. And I didn't know it was that day, that Monday after Easter. And I get to school and they tell, oh, where's your gym suit? Where's your I'm like, oh, I didn't bring it. I forgot. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. And they're like, no, you have to go out there and run and take this mm -hmm. test, this sprint and do mm -hmm. all of this in my cute little dress. Yeah. And I tore up both my knees, my shoes. And the only thing I could think about was my mother's going to kill me. Right. And I'm bawling. She's going to kill me because I could see the blood on my socks. And my shoes are all scraped up. And that's all I was worried about. I didn't care what I did right. on the test or anything. But it was all about, you know, presentation because she took great pride in dressing us and us being nice we dressed and adorned, you know. And so to, to ruin something that quickly, I was just like terrified. Wow. But she laughed and just said, okay, next time, you know, get yourself ready for school <laughs> correctly, right. you know. So it was just that from there. So this has always been that thing. And for just being any type of uh, leader or role or whether it's entrepreneur or not, I just take great pride in the people because yeah. the people are what matters the most. And I'm proud of all the relationships I've built with clients in the past, coworkers, team members, all of that. Yeah, yeah. Because to me, that's what matters. That's what people truly remember. You know, it's how well you treated them and when you go out of your way to make sure they're good on every level. And that's what I take a lot of pride in and still do now. Yeah. So. And so speaking to people, you know, thinking about your brand, you know, I think that there's so many uh, folks that are listening or we've all been through seasons of our lives where, um, you know, we didn't feel good about who we were. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it can be internal or it could be external. Right. And so from your experience, what can people do? What strategies can they begin to do right now if they're listening to this episode to feel better about themselves? For me, religion and faith in God has always been very strong. And I remember, and I tell this story too a lot to people I know that struggle, especially in the workspace. I was in the ER like three times this past year because wow. of stress and fatigue. My entire right arm went out 
because I was overly dedicated to working seven days a week, 12 to 14 hours a day when I had zero resources in North America. We had companies, huge government and huge companies in North America that could only be served training-wise by residents of the United States of America. So I had no choice but to do it. Yeah. Right. But then in July, I had a nice conversation with my director and I said, I am no longer feeling valued. I am no longer feeling like I'm in the right place because I had the dream the night before. And I feel like God just put it in my spirit because I was praying every night, like, Lord, help me. Tell me what am I doing wrong? What do I need to be doing next? Because I can't keep doing this physically or mentally. Please help me. And it came to me and the calm came over me in that dream that said, tell them you can no longer do this. You're happy to train someone for your replacement, but you need to leave out of the space for your mental and your physical health. And that's exactly what I told them. And they were kind enough to offer me some things to politely leave and announced it and thanked me for all my service and time there. And I happily walked away with no animosity, no guilt. And it took me a month to put my shoulders down to feel like I could finally relax again. And then Mm -hmm. I prayed to, okay, God, what's next? What's next? But my, my life coach told me in April, May, you need to set a date to leave that job because they knew of the stress I was having. Right. And I said, I don't, I don't have a date, but I know in my gut, something's telling me I'll be gone before this year ends. Right. Right. And so that's what I did. So to people, you know, in your heart and in your gut, you toss and turn at night when you know you're not in the right place, but be quiet and listen and pray and ask God or whomever you feel that you get your inspiration from spiritually and mentally for wisdom, the ancestors or whomever you feel you can get to help you through that moment. Because sometimes we're our own worst enemy because we're loyal. Yeah. We're loyal to people. We're loyal to jobs. We're loyal to roles. And I had a, a, one of the girls in my group say, well, I'm the best one at doing this. Who's going to do it when I'm gone? I said, if they fired you tomorrow, would they be worried about who's going to do the job you're doing so well tomorrow. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think they'll just start looking for a replacement and and go from there. I think, and I think that shift is happening really, especially in the millennial space um, Mm -hmm. where, where, where we are taking more ownership into mental health and, uh, Taking my ownership into our work experience and, and setting clear boundaries and, and working toward financial freedom and not being tied to nine to five or, or, or channeling some of your strength and not being afraid to walk away once we realize that we have done and reached our maximum, maximum capacity. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that your story really inspires us all to because uh, I know that even for me, I went through phases in life chasing the career ladder. And I think mm-hmm. it wasn't until the last year, year and a half or so, really during COVID, that I did a lot of reflection like we all did. And I made a decision that uh, coming out of COVID that I was going to maintain that balance and I was not mm-hmm. going to be driven 
uh, by career. And, and also I gave myself the space and the grace. And I like how you talk about prayer, because, you know, we're not a religious podcast. We know people believe in all different faiths. But mm-hmm. for me, it was the same thing, really seeking God and saying, hey, you know, I feel like I've been in my purpose for this space. It's, it's, it's a lot. It's taken a lot from me. I need some grace and space to be able to, to rest a little bit so I can continuously function. So I had to have a conversation with myself and I had to have a conversation with the God that I serve. So I, I can connect personally to what you did because I had to do the same thing. He gave me directions, just like he gave you. Uh, and, and, and so uh, hopefully those that hear your story, especially from somebody such as yourself who has built a career and we even in, and, and have had high level jobs and you still said, enough is enough mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. the things that people in my age group we, we chase you said enough is enough I mean that that's a lot of courage there yeah because the chase is real but what I love I love 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 especially in the black space where I'm just seeing so many entrepreneurs just shift and do different things and yeah. be so creative I'm absolutely loving it because this is the power we've had all along and through COVID, our people are so resilient on so many levels. So when people, no matter what your ethnicity, if you're not looking at figuring out, hey, what can I do differently? There are a lot of great organizations like SCORE.org and the Small Business Association. I took courses, but before that, I'll tell people this too is, I started preparing years ago because I said, oh, you know, we need to get out of debt because we need to stack some money here because things will change. I knew a change was coming, Solomon, but I didn't know when, I didn't know how, but I just knew I thought I was going to do voiceover. That's why I was studying that and that eventually I'd step away and do that career, but I needed some cushion to like build up, you know, some revenue coming in. But the whole universe shifted, you know, with right. this right. podcast and everything. And voiceover, I'll pick it up again in January and see where that goes. But the acting and other things I was looking at, I'm actually doing a program with the Goodman for people over 50, mm-hmm. which I applied to three years ago. And they emailed me and said, hey, we had you on the wait list. Do you want to do this program? It's mm-hmm. free right. for right. women over, or people in general over 50. Yeah. And I'm like, so just God has just been bringing things and great people like you and so many others on Clubhouse. It's just blow. I had to step back and log off of Clubhouse and all social media for a while so I could really absorb and then create. Absolutely. And speaking of creation, I think that's a great way. That's a great segue. Before we kind of close out this conversation, I think that you've taught us all so many different lessons and nuggets about life, about leadership and career and mental health. I mean, and and being our best selves. But but talk about your brand, your upcoming projects and this great podcast, Renee Loves Ironing, that you're getting ready to launch. Yes, because I originally wanted to call it the Zen of Ironing, and then those <laughs> hashtags were taken out there, because I do feel like I'm one of those eyeballs, but I know there are a lot of people out there that are just hiding, yeah. that love, like, just, I always, my mom taught us, we could not iron on Sundays, we all had to fight for the iron, there were five mm. of us, as I mentioned, so I used to learn to do everything on Tuesday, Thursdays, no mm. conflict, 
no nothing. I would go and iron for a week or two weeks at a time. If I'm watching a movie, I'm doing a basket of laundry at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I just learned to love that. And so to me, it relaxed me. Same with doing dishes, same with organizing my closet. I like my kitchen, my house to be clean because it gives me a sense of yeah. this is my space. I love it and it's loving me back. Yeah. So that's why I'm starting with ironing to talk about the feeling of looking good and taking pride in your clothing and people to get out of spandex. I think if, if people yeah. need to think about other ways to adorn their bodies, but we, you know, we live in a land too of social media where people mimic a lot of things out of fantasy instead of really finding their own style and knowing how to take care of themselves. But our generations behind us need to have these life skills. Absolutely. Right? We need to raise them in a way that they should go so they prosper and they understand their gifts and they do better in life without a lot of stress and tension. And, you know, meditation comes in many different forms, I believe. And for me, finding things that you like in your home that make you feel safe and warm and invited into your own space and look good and feel good are great resources and great tools people can do easily. And ironing is one simple thing that people either love it or hate it. So no matter where you are, I want to talk about it and tell yeah. you how I feel about it and get some yeah. other people to do the same. Hey, that's dope. That's dope. So how can we connect with you on IG? Right now, I Renee Loves Ironing on Instagram. I do have a Facebook account as well, Renee Loves Ironing. I'm still building the content out with the goal of launching my podcast next month with a couple of cool sponsors. So I'm, I'm working right now on providing a lot of different ways people can connect and doing different things too. And I do have Renee Loves Ironing at Outlook.com. Hey, this is dope, man. So we thank you so much for coming to grace us uh, with your presence here on the Solid Intention Podcast. We want to make sure that we support your brand new podcast launch, Renee Loves Ironing. Check her out on social media platforms. And you provide us with so, so much inspiration uh, today. And we definitely want to make sure we stay connected with you, continue to support. And we know there'll be dope things that come from you in the future. So thank you so much for this conversation. Mm-hmm.